0: Welcome everyone to our show today. I have someone that has a really unique story and it pertains to what is going on in our world right now. And so I'm excited to have her. So today I have Sarah McElroy. She is a former hustle culture devotee and ex-chef marketing officer who became the Wall Street Journal's poster girl for pandemic career burnout. After getting shingles in early 2021, she decided to hit the life reset button, which I do not blame you. I don't wish shingles on anyone. That is horrible. And upon quitting her job, Sarah found herself in a company of millions of other women who also set an unfortunate job ablaze to pursue new past during their great restoration she also began to explore the stories breakdown points and defining moments that led these women to seek greater opportunities amidst the pandemic so Sarah welcome to the show today I'm so grateful you're here
1: yes thank you so much Donna it's great to be here
0: Awesome. So Sarah, now take us back because here you are in this corporate world and having a job and pandemic hits, not only the pandemic, but now you've got, what, shingles?
1: Well. Shingles actually came a little bit later on down the line. So when the pandemic hit, I was actually working for a global hospitality company in Atlanta. And I was moved to the COVID task force, COVID response task force. And, you know, I'm very honored to have the opportunity to help the company navigate this really uncertain time and to help the hotels respond and take care of the guests. And, you know, just felt really appreciative to have a job too, considering a lot of people were starting to lose their jobs and really wanted to be committed to that to that effort. Well, within about a month of that happening, they actually ended up furloughing about 80% of the marketing department. And so it went from, okay, you're on the COVID response task force to then all of a sudden, on my team of nine people, it's just me and my boss left. And so there's more slack to be picked up in that regard as well. And I'm also doing an executive MBA program at the time too. So I'm juggling that, trying to show up and do my best at work because I know my other teammates would love to be here, but they're not given the opportunity. So I'm just you know, keeping my legs moving. And and then what happens is I'm actually offered the opportunity to become a chief marketing officer for a private equity backed wellness concept and it was you know recruited into this role huge opportunity to actually become a member of the c suite and that job is even more demanding than you know being at an organization where we don't even have all the team members. During that time between school and work and to prove myself, I was the youngest member of the executive team. And I felt like I had to prove that I deserved to be there. Mm -hmm. I was working up to 20 hours a day, not every day, but up to 20 hours a day between work Mm -hmm. and school. And yeah, during that time, it was just
0: hours of that of sleep
1: it was wow. it was pretty brutal honestly <laughs> i was just trying to be a machine at that point in time and my body was really starting to show the kind of like the, the cracks in what I had built in that it was not sustainable. But to me in my head, it was just like, okay, I'm going to get beyond graduation because it'll be so much better than I'm only going to be working at that point in time. It is, you know, it's going to be all right. But I had two episodes of throwing up blood that landed me in the ER during that time. And it was obviously concerning, not great that this is happening in my mind, but I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can hold on and make it through. So I I do, I get through graduation. I do start scaling back a bit on my hours and working more of a normal day, but still quite a bit of after hours work. And finally in April, 2021, I get shingles. And that was my, yeah, that was finally my moment of Sarah, no more. You can't do this anymore. This is no way to live. And so I ended up leaving the CMO role after that bout with shingles, it worked out incredibly serendipitously that when I had my time off for shingles, I was also interviewing for a new role as a a director in digital down in Florida. And I was given that job, but I knew when I was diagnosed with shingles, I am sitting on the chair in the little medical clinic and the doctor gives me the diagnosis and I am Overjoyed, you are overjoyed. (laughs) I know that was your like kind of freeze frame moment. Then I was like,
0: "What?"
1: Overjoyed because I was going to have ten straight days off of work, and no one could tell me I couldn't have that time. It was socially acceptable. It was the permission, Donna, that I was not going to give myself to let myself rest. And so after I kind of get out of the doctor's office. And I realized, okay, this is not a normal response to being told that you have an illness that could potentially cause blindness and paralysis. Like this is probably a rethink it all kind of a moment. And so that was when that was like time to hit the life reset button.
0: Wow. I just think that's just bizarre, but yeah, I bet you did like, what is it inside of me that is wanting this to actually be yes That's so crazy. yes so I, I want to go back just a little bit because you were talking about the blood and um you didn't really talk about that very much so I, I know people that are listening are wanting to know what is that is that related to the shingles was that something that mm-hmm. kind of was relating was that a side effect or a warning sign or anything else? It all? was
1: stress related, is what the doctor told me. I did see a gastroenterologist. Now, the funny thing is, well, not so funny, but just that I did not do what I needed to do after the first episode, I did go see the doctor, but he wanted to do an endoscopy to see what was going on in my esophagus and, you know, kind of like the top part of your stomach. And I didn't make time for it because I just felt like I couldn't, I was trying to show up at this job where frankly, the, the team was really toxic and there was a lot of backstabbing and even lying and kind of like infighting. And it was just like, I, I, I cannot let this like weakness get in the way of what is, you know, my work and school. And so I just tried to shut it down and push it out of my mind. I'd seen the doctor. He wasn't like super, super worried, but wanted to do this test. I'm thinking it's going to be okay. And then it finally happened again. It was probably about six or seven months later. And after that, I did get the endoscopy done. And he said, I had some lesions that he believed were related to, overproduction of acid related to stress.
0: Mm,
1: Wow. So,
0: we know, stress does affect our body and does create this in the body. So, um, so now you're in this moment and you're realizing, Hey, I have shingles and guess what? I'm actually happy. Oh my gosh. Who does that? So at that moment, what are you thinking then? Like, what is going on? Like, why am I, happy about this and kind of there.
1: Yeah. That's the moment when you, it's that crystallizing moment of clarity that says I've lost myself. This is not what I want for my life. This is not who I am. And I was just, I was that corporate good girl. I felt like you give me the playbook. I will execute on it. And whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. I will work harder than anybody else. And I wore that like a badge of honor. That was my personal brand. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that if I could climb the ladder and get to the C-suite, I would be happy. And then I get there and I'm miserable. I'm just a hollow shell of myself. And it becomes this moment of like real positive awakening, but also fear to be like, oh my gosh, I think I've built a house of cards. I'm going to have to reassess everything. And so I did, I took the job in Florida. I moved down here and I actually, I found a little place like tiny little townhouse on the water because I'm like, okay, we're going to reset and prioritize everyday joy because You deserve that, Sarah. And that was not something I ever believed that I deserved. Like I had told somebody I'd had a conversation when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do when I knew the CMO role wasn't going to work out. And I was talking with a friend and saying like, I'm okay with being unhappy five days of the week as long as I have my weekends. And in the CMO role, I just really didn't because I couldn't even, I was wound so tight from those five days a week that I couldn't even uncoil on the weekends. But I just thought, you know, this is just the way it is. You're just generally, a lot of people are unhappy at work five days a week, but just because it's normal, doesn't mean it's functional and that we have to subscribe to it right like that was what I had to realize so I moved down here I'm at the water I'm doing tons of yoga and meditation and I'm trying to prioritize my well-being every day I'm working far less. But I get down here and my burnout isn't totally healing and I cannot figure out why. Now, also during this time, this is when my story was picked up by the Wall Street Journal and I did an interview with them in a podcast episode. And while I had gotten a lot better and that's the way the story kind of ends, you hear in the podcast episode, you know, Sarah found peace on the water in a lot of ways that was true but I was still having a lot of like that irritability related to burnout. And I wasn't wanting to go into the office. And what I finally put it all together is like, burnout is not just overworking. I was walking into a highly misogynistic culture every day, a good old boys club. And I was dealing with a sexual harassment situation that wasn't properly addressed. And it's languishing for months. Finally, it dawned on me, oh my gosh, this is This is like a paper cut walking into this office every day on my nascently healing burnout wound. And yeah. Wow.
0: I just can't even imagine. I mean, I can feel, first of all, I can feel when you were talking about this, when you finally were finding like, you know, who you needed to be or what you needed to do and how hard that was. I could feel your energy there. And there was this emotion that I was feeling. So I can tell it is like deep, you know, this is something that really is deep within you. So now you're in this situation and you realize, hey, I have to do some of these strategic things to keep that calm or that peace or that vibe and doing this job, it's not working. Because every time I go there, like you said, it's just like pins and needles and just, it's just really, really stressful. So what did you do at that point? Because, you know, we know that you just can't quit your job because you probably have bills and you probably have things to take care of, which is what a lot of people do. So what happened at that point?
1: Well, here's the thing, Donna, I held on after, so one of those comments that was made was actually overheard by the head of HR. And so I'm thinking at that point, like surely something is going to happen. There'll be a proper formal investigation. Everything's going to be fine. And it was ultimately not properly investigated and I wouldn't drop the issue. So four months later, they do finally do the investigation. And I'm just thinking like, okay, I'm going to, Give them the benefit of the doubt, give them the time to do this. I understand that things sometimes move slowly with HR and lawyers and all of that. But finally, in January, I escalated the situation. I've been working with one person and it wasn't really going anywhere. So I escalated it up the chain and they did do an investigation. But it was so perfunctory and such a check the box exercise, like clearly to get. Me off their backs because I'd submitted 3,000 words of documentation of all these missteps that had happened over the course of four months. And when I get the calendar invite from the woman in HR to do the readout from the investigation to tell me what she found, she put a full hour on my calendar. But we get on the call and she Reads back to me the entirety of like whatever the investigation netted out in four minutes. It was 192 words, ten boiler, or ten bullet points, of which a lot was boilerplate related to like we have an open door policy at this organization and this investigation should be kept confident confidential and not spoken to among other employees. And it was all stuff too, that I had already heard related to things happening in the organization that it was like, this is a whitewashing of this situation and that I will not do it. So it's funny that you say you can't just quit your job. Well, Donna, I well, did. Well,
0: you can. I but did. I know. Most people I know. would think twice first, but I, I know. understand in your situation though. I mean, if you're forced to do something like that, it's like, you know what? I am more important.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: A place like this that doesn't value me. So, precisely.
1: And that's what you. it came down to is like, I had something broke open in me in the last organization. And especially, I, you know, get the shingles, this job has run me into the ground. And I didn't say a dang thing walking out the door regarding what some of the other issues at play were. I just, gracefully did what you're taught to do, which is to give two weeks notice, say, thank you so much. And, you know, end on a good note. And this time it was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing this anymore. So the night I got that readout, I am cocooned in my bedroom. And I type up this blistering anti-harassment resignation letter. And I go into the office the next morning before dawn. And I've got my laptop on the desk. I've cleaned up my personal items. My finger is hovering over the send button and I am trembling. I'm just shaking. And I just, I hit send. I sent the letter actually to the CEO as well, not just HR and my boss. And I walked out the door and I was terrified, but I just felt like other women deserved to have their voices heard related to all this too and it wasn't just about me i needed to stand up for the rest of the women in that organization wow good for you
0: i mean how many women can do that so you're in this space now and you're like okay here i am now what do i do um but i just want to commend you for making that step because there are so many women that stay in a situation. And I know you stayed for a while, but you realized at one point it was like, this isn't going to change. So I have to make, you know, this
1: action because I deserve it. Exactly. Exactly. And you come Um, to that place of acceptance, right? That you have to, we as women have been conditioned to take care of others, put others needs first and to be very loyal and not really use our voices, don't rock the boat, all of these things. And I subscribed to that for a very, very long time, but it just, it just can become that something has to be done differently. Otherwise nothing is going to change. And so I just felt like that was the, the only move that I could make at that point in time. All right. So we
0: know that now you work with women. So obviously you kind of got together and decided, Hey, I wonder if there's other women out there. Is this what was going kind of going through your mind? And so you're reaching out and finding that there's a lot of women that are actually going through the same situation.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, so on the other side of hitting that send button, I come home and I am So freed and liberated, but also completely unmoored and just Mm -hmm. terrified, to be honest, because it's like no plan, no paycheck. I'd been thinking because of the Wall Street Journal stuff and sharing my story, having people then reaching out about their experiences with burnout was the most rewarding thing I had ever done in a career realm. Now that was not related to my job, but speaking about burnout related to work and helping other people as they were experiencing things related to this same crazy world of all these people burning out post pandemic, Mm -hmm. that made me feel like I had a purpose for the first time. So I thought I might do something in that realm, but I'll tell you what happened a few days later. So I did that on a Tuesday morning, that Friday night, I went to a show and a friend, a few friends of mine were in a musical called Respect the Musical Journey of Women, just a local community theater production. And what you find with that show, I had no idea that this is what the show was about. It's so perfect, kind of like synchronicity related to this. It is about this professor who, after a divorce, decided she wanted to explore the number one songs that women had written and sung from like 1900 forward and do research on them. And what she came to realize is that in our songs, we were actually telling the story of women because it goes from on the earlier side of that time of being like, oh, my man, what what am I going to do without him kind of a thing to like Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys by the end of it kind of a thing. And you see this musical evolution of women. And I just had this moment as I'm sitting there and I'm watching the production, kind of one of those, like your field uh, of your vision field, like narrows. And I get this sort of spark of like, I need to tell women's stories. I want to connect with other women. Other women are experiencing this too. There are millions of them quitting with the great resignation. How can I be of service to them? So I figured I would start to pull on that thread and see where it went.
0: Well, I think you definitely are in the right field at the right time because how many women do we know? Probably, I'm sure, well, you know, well, you're working with them, but there's, so many that are dealing with this. And I love that you just narrowed it in and said, Hey, I just need to share their stories. So now tell me a little bit more about what you're doing with these women to prolong them and share their stories.
1: Yes. Well, so what I ended up doing is I founded Raise to Rise, and it's a journalism project amplifying the powerful voices and stories of women from the Great Resignation. And what I've done is I'll interview women, capture their stories, and share them out on the website. Really, my goal was to crowdsource their wisdom and insights, knowing that there are so many women struggling right now with burnout and struggling at work. What can we learn from them and harness the really rich learnings that they have from being there, you know, like those hands in the clay learnings. And how do we then help other women access this great information? So that's where I started with creating Raise to Rise, but actually where it's gone is that this has gone so well. And I feel like we've uncovered so much related to how women we should be shifting how we approach our careers as part of this collective awakening, because we are uh, getting more into meaning and purpose, and reconnecting with what actually matters to us. Reprioritizing values, finding more flexibility—you know—all of these things end up coalescing to this moment where I realize it's time for us to rewrite the women's career playbook completely. Because we've been taught a very masculine approach given the workplace was created by men. For men, and we've been taught to cut off a lot of our our strengths and gifts as women to show up in a more masculine way in the workplace. Like, think about it: logic and rationality and pragmatism rule. They are, you know, we we worship the mental prowess of people in the workplace. We are not taught to harness our in inner knowing, our intuition, any of these softer aspects of us as women, and so. And that's what came through in my research is that every single woman who quit during the great resignation that I interviewed said, and she had a knowing that she had to leave some type of knowing for some, it wasn't immediate knowing for some, it was a build. And it could have also been accompanied by some types of mental gymnastics related to budgeting and spreadsheets and pros and cons and things like that. Mm-hmm. Every woman knew. And it was like, oh my God. Gosh. And I would, I would have been the last person to bring forth this message like a year and a half ago. I don't have time for squishiness and career. That was the way I was before, but it was like, Oh my gosh, we have an untapped power in these answers within us. We know what's best for us. Let's harness that and pave a new way forward in how women approach their careers.
0: Wow. That is amazing. So you didn't even realize this until you started just talking to these women and you're just like, Oh my goodness, they all have this knowingness that is inside them. But like you said, you're not taught. So are you helping women to tap into that knowingness a little bit more? Is that kind of what I'm hearing?
1: Yes. Well, it's part of a book really to start is what I'm doing. So I'm working on a book related to tracking that journey and what happens to us when we are starting to feel that rumbling and needing to quit, getting to that point of knowing, taking action, and then what happens on the other side of it, as well as a toolkit to help with navigating on that journey. Because the the road to making a job or a career change is fraught with uncertainty and ups and downs, peaks and valleys. I mean, I could really sit here across from you and be saying, gosh, I just wish I'd never moved down to Florida because I took that job and it was terrible and I quit and I had you know, no paycheck, no nothing. But I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now because I never would have started Raise to Rise. And so while that was so uncomfortable and painful in the moment and I was struggling so much, I do, I appreciate that valley because it brought me to where I am. And so it becomes this sort of like ongoing career long journey of navigating these ups and downs. But every single time you come back to yourself, get back home to who you are, regardless of the shoulds related to what society has told us we need to do related to our careers, what other people in your life think you need to do and are telling you is right for you and just come back to you because you have the answers. And it's not, it's not Sarah. It's like, I'm going to put forth this book that has mapping of the journey in this toolkit, but it's to give you the tools so you can excavate that power within you and just reach your, your greatest potential and fulfillment in your career in a way that is like perfect for you. Because for some women that might be, I don't want to climb the ladder and I want to do something related to like, you know, kind of like a part-time job as my kids are in school. And I want to downshift and get out of a corporate organization. And I want to work at a store down the street so that I can spend more time with our kids. Like to me, that's harnessing your greatest potential as much as it is for a woman who becomes a chief executive officer. It's about creating and giving ourselves permission to pursue work in a way that works for us. Right, I just love
0: that you're doing this and helping these women move forward. And I had a really good question that I want to ask you that I asked all of my guests. And that is, so you went from here you are, this corporate woman stressed out so much on your plate. You don't even have time to sleep really. And you're going to school too on top of that. And then now to a space of Calmness, peace, relaxing, and really taking care of yourself. What was it that that you can say if someone's going through this right now? Let's just say they're in the corporate field right now. They are so stressed out. What was the one thing that you did that really helped you transition from that to this place that you are today? That's in a more common, peaceful.
1: Sure. Well, it's the reason I was able to recognize that that's what the women I was interviewing was speaking, they were speaking about that inner knowing is because I'd started developing a connection with that myself. And that was something I had lost so long ago and I also kind of like we were talking about where it's logic and rationality and pragmatism and that's expected when you're you're climbing the ranks and I'm working with a at a company where I'm in on the executive team for a private equity backed company too so you're answering to data and numbers all of the time It's like you just we've been taught that that is the way we have to, live and work and make decisions and things. And what had started to happen is that I had a coach I was working with at the time that I was working with just in kind of like one-on-one personal development. And she actually invited me into a group that she does related to kind of like a more spiritual approach, which was like, I didn't even know that's what she was inviting me into. And she didn't tell me, and I think she didn't tell me because she knew I would have been like, "Mm, I don't know if (laughs) I want to do that. But what happened is my mind started to expand. And so what I would say is that we're taught to really lean on our mental prowess at work and in our lives and driving our lives every single day so as much as you can opening yourself up to that other side of you that soul side of you your intuition other things that are that are perhaps less kind of like able to be explained or necessarily science backed any of those things that allow you to reach that deeper part of you that just knows, connect back with that. She knows, she knows what you need to do. She's always there for you.
0: That is so true. I always, you know, and I can see how a woman that is in a space like you were, you're going 100 miles an hour. Like you can't hear because you're so busy that there's no way to hear. And so I always tell people that when you don't know what to do, be still. Yes. Still, you can hear that voice. You can hear where you need to go or what might need to shift or what direction. And so uh, I really love that you're doing that. I love that you're helping these women to realize that we have this inside of us. We were built to be able to know. And I also love that you said, you know, through that trial that you went through. That trial is what helped you get to where you are today and our trials do they teach us and I went through cancer twice. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy but yeah. I am who I am today because of that and I'm helping other people learn how to get past that and yes that is what life is about like if you can just tap into okay, you have a challenge, now let's learn from this. What can I learn from it? And how can I move forward? So I love that you're helping women with that. I really am excited to see the movement that you're making for these women to be enlightened and to be able to tap into that knowing that they have inside of them. So kudos to you for doing that. Because I think any of us that can help other women to do that is a beautiful thing. So if somebody were to want to find out more about you, find out more about your book, where is it that they can find you? You
1: can find the website for Raise to Rise at raise, dot ecom And I'm on LinkedIn as Sarah J. McElroy and And the same on Instagram as well. And I would love to connect with women. A survey from Deloitte found earlier this year that more than 50% of women intend to quit their jobs in the next two years. And on a five-year horizon, that number actually spikes to 90%. So I know I was one. Uh, I know how hard it can be and I am happy to support however I can.
0: That is wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show for sharing your amazing story and taking that and now helping other people. I just, I really, really love that. So thank you. I appreciate you
1: being on the show today. Thank you, Donna. I think you modeled that uh, approach of taking your, your trials and and creating real beauty from it. And so thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, thank you. And I'm grateful to have you on the show. So Sarah, thank you again. Appreciate you. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now, and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow.